Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in wherever you are, citywide, statewide, nationwide, worldwide. Welcome back to another episode of the Line to Gain show here on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. I am the big O, Jerry Ostrowski, down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sarah, why don't you let everybody in on where you are right now? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm currently in an RV uh, in the Finger Lakes in upstate New York. So That's um, dedication def- right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoying it. Gonna, you know, hopefully ro- get to roast some marshmallows and and you know, uh be one with with I don't want to say one with the the wildlife and everything cuz there's not really much around here. <laughs> it's it's pretty uh, you know, they they have, you know, Wi-Fi, they have electrical, they have everything at right. uh, the campsite, so. Yeah. Yeah, motorhomes are pretty sweet. Uh well, I don't know. You got a pool behind or is it a full drivable motorhome? No, it, well, it's a it's a pull, but um, okay. I mean, there's a bedroom, um, a separate like you know bunk area. The, the whole couch thing folds down to another bed, so a huge bathroom. It's uh, it's very nice. It's my sister's and her husband. It's a very nice motorhome. They upgraded last year, and uh, I'm very jealous. It's even got a heater, like or a fireplace. So really, yeah. Yo, do they leave it yeah. there? Or do they pull it all over the place? Um, no, they, they, um, tend to go this, this year, they didn't go to as many campsites as usual, but usually they, um, they do like, you know, five, six, seven different campsites during the the summer. Yeah. Full disclosure. We had a motorhome for quite a while while the boys were young. And then when they got older, they wanted no parts of rolling around in the motorhome. So we, uh, we got rid of it, but, uh, good times as always. Uh, it's cool. I mean, right. it's, you know, you're basically pulling your house out of the wilderness somewhere. I mean, the way these things are, like you talked about. But, hey, we got a lot to talk about today here on the show. As always, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button, uh, help us out here on the Rumblings Network as we come to you every week. We're an hour early this week. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of flexible in the off season. Preseason, we're just kind of, you know, we go when we need to go. And uh, obviously, once we get closer to game one, and by the way, something we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, the uh, inaugural or first episode of the Jets Hard Knocks was on last night. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, we got a lot to talk about. We'll start to show off, I'm sure, with the just released depth chart. Some other interesting news coming out of Western New York. Um, there seems to be some um, amnesia all of a sudden about the price of the stadium. Um, there's definitely some uh, new news coming out of uh, Orchard Park about that. 
I think they're about three months into the build, and there's already some controversy. But I think tonight we'll start with our um, depth chart. And um, <clears throat> if we lose Sarah, we will um, – she'll be back, I'm sure, in a moment. But um, right here is the depth chart. And um, if you uh, if you had an opportunity to check it out, um, over here in the comments, you can uh, – put up your thoughts on our depth chart. Sarah's trying to reboot her internet. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll shift gears a little bit. And we'll talk about last night's hard, hard knock show opening episode, hard knocks, HBO. I guess you call it the max. Now, even as a person that lived 10 years in the NFL, in training camps, being a part of it, I still find Hard Knocks to be incredibly fascinating. Um, I don't know if we'll get quite the player behind-the-scenes look this season. I don't know if we'll get the in the meeting room uh, or the war room, so to speak, coaches, uh, coaches' meetings that we have in the past. I know the Jets were kind of anti-really behind-the-scenes stuff as far as that stuff goes. You know, thought it was a little bit too personal. But um, we did get a look last night. Uh, if you watched the show last week, and um, if you did watch the show last week, Pop was on, Jeremy Poplin, uh, sports director for a local sports station here in Tulsa, the Blitz 1170. And Jeremy and I had a Twitter conversation about the episode last night. And basically, he <laughs> – I do have to go to this because it was pretty funny. Ralph Wilson Sr., poor Sarah, these bears are tech savvy these days. <laughs> but it was almost like a <clears throat> infomercial or you expected Ron Popeil to jump out with the rotisserie uh, with the rotisserie cooker or, you know, it, it was almost like, you, you know, they're advertising a set of, of Cutco knives. It was very, very infomercial like for Aaron Rodgers. And I was all about it. Uh, if it was an infomercial for knives, I put my credit card number in. I bought as much as possible. I was down. I even got the free steak knives because I thought it was great. And honestly, and Sarah's back with us. She's going to join us with uh, audio only. I think that'll probably yeah. that'll probably that's work. probably the best bet. Y'all can't see my face today. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you do follow Sarah on Twitter, she'd be putting them thirst trap photos up all the time. Oh so. damn, Jerry! <laughs> Ah, wow, that was definitely not a thirst trap. That was it was my birthday photo from a couple from like it was it was very nice. Well, thank you very nice. much. It's thirst I have trap. To say, wow. I have to say the perm and the big hoop earrings remind me of my cousins. You know, yeah. all my cousins were Italian. It was like I was hanging out with my cousins again, but no, I did. But anyway, we're talking about hard knocks last night, Sarah. I don't know if you had a chance to yes. watch it. Pop Boring. and I were talking. I, I thought it was good. I liked it. I thought it was boring. They're not going to they're not going to give us anything. They're really not going to give us you know like because I think they're doing it you know be you know like begrudgingly. They don't want to do the show. So like I feel like they're not giving us anything. <laughs> it's Well, we're, we're not going to get the juicy behind the scenes stuff obviously. We're not going to get, you know, them really talking about players, I don't believe. I don't think we'll get the in-depth um really the true thoughts of the coaches on certain players. 
obviously they're setting the kid up last night, the middle linebacker who had the interception in the game. Uh, a former, yeah, I put that up by the way earlier. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the former quarterback that's got a lot of speed. They're gonna they're gonna probably spotlight him. He might be the uh, the fifty second, fifty third, or fifty fourth guy this year. That they, you know, who's that last cut? Who's the last guy to make it? But you know, like Pop said on Twitter, it was basically an infomercial for Rogers, and you're basically they were basically washing his reputation clean almost it was like they were bringing him out reintroducing Aaron Rodgers to the world I was down for it man I loved it I thought it was great um your thoughts I just I feel like when you go from watching the way Detroit was last year I feel like it's very different already maybe I'll maybe I'll like it more as it gets going but uh, you know right now I just feel like you know I, I feel like they're doing it to you know appease everybody and I feel you know Rogers is, I don't know. It's almost, it almost feels like really scripted. Like I was bored. I, hopefully it gets better. I, I think it will. Um, but you know me. I mean, we've talked about this many, many times. I'm a, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I did, I did notice one thing probably right off the bat that, Offensive practice was completely different. It seemed much more organized. It seemed much more upbeat. It seemed much more, um, you know, you're not trying to break your neck to, to get a rookie quarterback who was probably a reach to begin with to, to play at a high level or start week one. I mean, we all, you know, we'll say what you want about Wilson. He, he, he wasn't a second overall pick. Um, but when you watch him, and you see what he's doing. He had a he has a lot of the same skill set that Aaron has. They both are mobile. I think they both can throw the ball well. Obviously, Wilson trying to learn an offense. Um, he's mimicking. They're talking about stuff behind the scenes. Um, I think it's a. I think the money that they paid for Aaron Rodgers is worth every penny because it's not just bringing in a guy that's a first ballot Hall of Famer that's won a Super Bowl. This one MVPs that brings instant credibility to your football team. But I also think that it brings in a mentor and a almost a second quarterback coach, second offensive coordinator for this kid that they're trying to go ahead. They didn't give up on and they're trying to go ahead and, um, you know, get him ready to play. But unlike, you know, unlike a lot of people and in our comments, you know, they're saying this. People, you know, Bills fans right now are 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 incredibly down on Rodgers. He's washed. He's this. I'm just telling you, folks, don't. We're gonna find out week one real fast about this football team and what they're like because we play yeah tonight in New York, MetLife Stadium against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. So you say what you yeah. will, but I'm just telling you, be ready for a football team that's gonna. I be have looking. yeah, and when I when I look at the Jets, I um. I, I feel like they have the pieces, you know, I think the, you know, we said last year they were pretty much a quarterback away. Um, their defense scares me more than anything. Um, yeah. And I think that Rogers gives them, you know, credibility right from, from, you know, the beginning. Um, we all know Garrett Wilson's going to be a, um, a great receiver. Um, he proved it last year when Brees uh, Hall gets better, 
you know, we know he's going to be a really good running back. Um, he proved it in his first couple of games last season as well. Obviously, you don't know um, if he would have maintained that, but I'm I'm pretty confident he, you know, he's going to be as expected, you know, and right. um, I think that they're going to be a good team. I, I kind of have them like, you know, neck and neck with Miami. I still have them behind the bills. I actually have them two games behind the bills um, at the end of the season. Um, the more I've watched the dolphins uh, camp, the more I will literally pray for Tua because their offensive line is their weak point um, down in Miami. Right. It is so bad. Um, so and just kind of piggyback real quick on that. Then I'll let you go. I think that's the weakness of the jets as well. Yeah. I think their offensive line is not at the caliber it needs to be. They had some problems today uh, with some, uh, with some scrimmages and some practicing with the with the Panthers. The Panthers got after Rodgers pretty good today. I think that's their weakness as well. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so I just think that at this point in time, um, what's kind of crazy is I think that it's the Bills' weakest, you know, um, position as well. Right. You know, at, so it's going to be what offensive line comes out this season and actually, um, per, right. you know, performs better than expected. Cause I don't think any of them are expected to perform that well. Um, but it's going to be the team that actually comes out the offensive line that comes out and, and performs better than, you know, anyone really ex um, expected them to. Um, so, so between the jets and the dolphins, I, you know, I think they both have um, pieces that they need to, um, to succeed. I I just don't feel like they've done enough to unseed where we are as, you know, meaning the bills. I feel like the bills have still gotten better. And if we beat, I think we beat um, the second place team out by what, four games last year. Right. So I just feel like, you know, yes, they got a little bit better, but you know, I don't think that they got that much incrementally, you know, incrementally better than we did. So, well, here's um, here, exactly. But here, here's the thing that makes me nervous. And this is, I, I'm, I'm not just giving my opinion. I'm also trying to set our fans up, trying to set Bill's mafia up for, right. for kind of how to look at this season. Uh, today, I, I was listening to a, um, listen to a sports radio show between cases going from one facility to another. And the guest that they had on said, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
as predicted, the four hardest schedules in the NFL this year all belong to every AFC East team. AFC East, yep. The four hardest schedules. So Patriots, Jets, Bills, Dolphins got the four hardest schedules in the league. Then you turn around and, and can arguably, and I've been saying it for weeks, you can arguably say that the AFC East is the best division in football this year. And I think why they're saying these schedules are the hardest is because we, we we cross over with the NFC East this year, which is an incredibly tough division, which which you could say probably, you know, you could argue say maybe the, even the NFC East is the best division of football. I still I still hang my hat on the AFC East with the addition of Rodgers to the Jets. But this isn't going to be one of these really pretty seasons. Um, this isn't one of those seasons where we go out, we, we go 14 and three or or, you know, or three, 13 or 14 and three or 13 and four. And we're just running. It's, it's not going to be a pretty season. This season's going to be a war of attrition, you know, out of 17 games, we've got six games against interconference, interdivision rivals that are very, very good. And then another four. So 10 of our games are against some of the top teams in the league. Right. So I don't think we need to be worried so much this year about, what is our record? We need to be more worried about do we get into the playoffs and do we have an opportunity maybe to rest week one? Right. With our schedule being the way it is, I think it's going to be hard to get that week one that that week. Well, I mean, to, to get off. the week one, yeah, to get the week one by, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you have to win. Um, right. That you know the AFC. So that's I. I don't think that that's going to be as easy as you know anyone. Uh, would imagine. Um, we we all know how hard our schedule is this year. I think the way I look at it is last year, yes, we didn't have the tough, toughest schedule, but we still had a tough schedule. And we ended up 13-3 and three through all the adversity and everything else that happened. Um, the way I want to look at it, though, is then we went into the playoffs and, you know, we had a great first game. Then, you know, well, I shouldn't say great. We had some struggles in that game, but then we ended up looking flat and um, like we had no business being in the second game against Cincinnati. So I don't mind if we come out this year and and we finish 12 and five, 11 and six. I do think we need to win the AFC East. I, I can't say that. No, I agree with that. I think I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But I so could I see think that, teams going through. Yeah, I can. I, I wouldn't mind being 11 and six or 12 and five. Um, if it means that we're tested enough that going into right. the playoffs, we know what team we are and we know what we need to do to win. Um, and they still have the passion to do it because, you know, I think we've all said it, the, the game against Cincinnati, none of them looked like they wanted to be there. It, right. it was, it was so weird. It was such a weird yes. experience, but being there in the stands, I felt it. I was like, that like the fans even had everything you know like blown out of them it was just a like an out-of-body weird experience um so as long as we fight through this season um I like being you know a little bit of the underdog I feel like the team plays better that way um you know I feel like they play better with a grudge on their you know on their shoulders and um I think the biggest thing and and um Lewis just put it whatever team was going to win the AFC East is going to be the team that remains healthy. This is the one thing that I, that I wish as much as I love Sean McDermott and I like McDermott a lot. 
it's the one thing that I wish he was had a little bit different in his DNA, his makeup. And now, granted, I haven't been in meeting rooms. Um, and maybe this is why he took over the defense. Maybe this is part of the grand plan. But I, I and I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm, I, I'm going to continue to do it until I see something different. Um, I really, really worry about how hardened this team is. I really, really worry about its overall. Just it's 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 toughness levels and and things like that I'm not saying they're not tough, but it takes a gritty, gritty, a gritty ass team to grind a, a schedule like they have this year. Right. And that and then that because I all I can think about is the last piece of work we saw, right? Which was that Cincinnati game. And I saw a I saw a team that wasn't ready to play. I saw a team that kind of laid down and let Cincinnati just beat them to death. And and that's the one thing that I can that concerns me. And as we talk about that, we transition. And I know Sarah, not a big deal. I'm glad you're on with. Uh, however you got on, I'm happy you're back with us. And again, if hit the like button, subscribe button. Uh, we'll be here weekly on Wednesday nights on the uh, Rumblings Network line to gain. Um, but Sarah, I'm going to read off the depth chart, and we're going to start oh, can, with that. I can still sh- I can still share it. Let me. Oh, give you me can. One. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pop up here. the depth chart. There we go. Okay, so there's your depth chart, which was released by the Bills this week. And there's some things there's some things on here that I'm happy about, and there's some things on here that are a little bit unsettling for me. Right. Um, the very I, first I put, thing. If, if you see, I, I have a couple of things highlighted um, because <clears throat> there were certain things that kind of surprised me, and I'm sure we'll we'll both pick up on the same exact things. Um, but then I also kind of started doing some numbers down at the bottom. Um, you know, it's I I kind of did a quick little um, scan and I got 55 with Vaughn. So we're going to have to, you know, cut two people that are going to be, you know, surprise cuts in some way or another. Because you, when you talk to half of Bill's Mafia, you know, this person's a definite, this person's a definite, and this person's a definite. Um, one of those definites, actually two of those definites with if you consider Vaughn too, um, when he comes back from um, from the pup uh, list. There's going to be two people that are are gone that people are going to be surprised about. Well, let me let me say this, and I think that Von Miller can start if they start Von Miller on the physical. If they start him on the pup list, how many games until he can come back? Four weeks. I would do that. I would start him on the pup list. I would yeah, not. Start I agree. The season with him. Um, our hardest part of the schedule is the second half of the year. Um, right. I think that keeping him off the first four also gives one of the other edge guys, um, you know, preferably, you know, probably I would say Boogie um, and AJ, you know, AJ Espinosa. Um, AJ would probably start um, if if Vaughn was out. But between Boogie and Shaq, you're going to give them an opportunity to kind of duke it out a little bit um, and see which one's going to get, you know, playing time down the right. road and whether or not one's going to get traded or one is going to, uh, you know, get released when, when Vaughn comes back. Well, granted, we're not in we're not in meetings, we're not in personnel right. meetings. But if you read between the lines, you watch the you watch interviews, you watch the stories being written. Um, AJ Epinesa has been mentioned multiple times by Sean McDermott as having an incredibly good camp, as coming back much stronger than he was when he left, um, has being a player that has worked on his trade, and is really really having a good preseason to date. That tells me a lot. If you got a guy like that, 
that is performing that well. And and granted, Von Miller's a an NFL Hall of Famer. Okay, so you're never going to fill those shoes. But if you can go ahead and rest him another four weeks, which is what I would do, and play Epinesa, then you have a swing guy. Say so you've got you've got Boogie Basham. You know, you've also got Greg Rousseau. I still think Ed Oliver can play outside and run downs in a pinch. You know, so you've got guys that can fill in. Right. Why rush Why rush him back? So what does that also do for you, Sarah? It gives you an extra spot, right? It gives you a chance to keep somebody around to see how things go. But, you know, I want to ask you a question. I saw a comment you made that, that because you felt that Osiris Torrance wasn't starting, that was going to force the Bills to keep 11 offensive linemen. What was your reasoning behind that comment? Yeah, I still feel, and I, I kind of still feel that way. Um, because if Ryan Bates is starting at um, at right guard, then it looks like we'll probably have to keep Greg um, Mance, uh, which from what I've been hearing, his camp has not been as good as um, Bates has at center. So um, at, like as, you know, reserve center. So it kind of surprised me that they would start um, Bates at, at right guard. But again, and, and RJ just put it up here, you know, um, that the depth chart is, it's the first one released. It is 1000% um, not going to be anywhere close to what the final depth chart is. We are not looking into it that, you know, that deeply. It's right. something fun to talk about because it also gives us and people that haven't been able to follow camp as much um, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of an insight of, um, you know, where people are, because if you look you know, seeing Puna Ford as pretty much third string at this point was really, really surprising to me. Um, I was not um, as impressed with Tim Settle towards the end of the year last year. Um, and, you know, I kind of felt like um, Settle would be the person that, um, you know, was pretty much the fifth defensive tackle coming in because um, he could rotate between um, the three tech and the, and the one tech. So I was actually kind of surprised that, um, you know, settle was before Ford, but that's me, not, it's not a big go deal. Back to the, let's go back to the offensive line yep. situation about 11. They won't keep 11. They're going to keep 10, whether Bates starts at guard or not. And and this is what, this is what I think you, you kind of have to look at. Okay. And what they're looking at doing. If they have a guy, if 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 Mance is a guy that can be on the practice squad, okay, or if Alex Anderson, a young guy, comes up and beats Mance out, and since he's young, he can be on the practice squad, you have three centers on that. You've got three guys that have started at center on that starting offensive line for the Bills. You've got McGovern, you've got Mitch Morris, obviously, and you got Bates. So you go ahead and you got Bates as your backup. If Morris was to get hurt, you move Bates, you put Osiris Torrance in, and you can get through a game, right? Then after that, if Morris is out for an extended period of time, you start Bates, you have Torrance as your starter, and if you have to bring that practice squad guy up because you don't want to mess with McGovern or give McGovern reps, you bring that practice squad guy up at that point with the intentions of once Morris gets healthy – you slide him back down. You know what I mean? So I think that they'll keep 10. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't, this does not shock me. I think Bates is a good player. I really do. Um, I think Osiris Torrance is learning. I mean, he's, he hasn't played guard. He's been a tackle, 
Now he's playing guard in the NFL. There's a lot to learn, right? You got to learn a playbook. You've got to learn a lot of things. And until he can prove to that coaching staff that he is a, he knows that playbook and he's a reliable player, they're not going to put Josh Allen in harm's way just because he's a big guy they took in the second round. Right. You know, they're going to keep that veteran group up there. I still think this is probably the biggest question mark on the football team. I think defensively, Sarah, what they run defensive scheme-wise, and granted, we haven't seen McDermott in a while, but knowing what he does, watching what he's done in the past in Philadelphia and also in Carolina, I think these these defensive linemen are interchangeable. Um, your aggression is going to come from your linebackers and some of your safeties. Um, they can run stuff, stunts up front. They've got very mobile defensive linemen. Um, again, with Epinesa having a great camp, let Vaughn rest, let him keep healing. But that offensive line group, you know, I think everybody, that's that's the target for everybody because if you remember last week when, when Spencer Brown seemed to have had a back spasm or it was, it was, it was, what do I want to say? Best guess was it was a back issue. Yeah. Could have been, could have been. It, yeah. During it, they thought that he re-aggravated his injury, <clears throat> but an hour later he was seen being just fine. So that's when, you know. Could have been general, I, it could have been general cramps, right? You don't yeah. know. But um, that just group to, is delicate. I, yeah. Just to um kind of go through some of these, you know, questions that, um you know, that people are putting up here. So someone asked, um, how Shane Ray playing, um, you know, I haven't seen much of him. Um, I went to camp on Sunday. Um, I'm going again for tomorrow. Um, I haven't heard much. Um, and right now, you know, I think that it would be a very uphill battle to have him, um, make the, the 53, um, Roy Collins, I am very disappointed in you for doing my math for me. Uh, (laughs) He said 55 with Vaughn, how many tight ends? And I just went through and realized that I did this so fast. I did not include tight ends. So I would be at 58 with, um, (laughs) because I think they're going to keep three tight ends. So, um, yeah, so we would be at 58. So, you know, that's five people on, you know, um, this squad that, um, you know, on the depth chart that, I think we would be keeping that, that, you know, or I shouldn't say, I think we'd be keeping that people think that we're, we're going to be keeping, but it's just going to be impossible. Um, you know, so earlier in the, the off season, I had said nine offensive linemen, maybe 10. Um, so, you know, we'll see how they, you know, switch that up a little bit, but, um, I've definitely been hearing that they might keep six, including Vaughn, um, on the edge, which, uh, it's kind of crazy to me, um, but you know, people weren't thinking about Leonard Floyd coming on until you know until they signed him. So uh, Russo's going to be Russo's going to be your swing man. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all. It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You think, think Russo is going to be swing? If they keep six edges, I think Russo can go inside on third down. And and they're 
they're trying to create some athletic mismatches. If you're right. keeping six edge guys, I can see Rousseau going down and playing on a guard and a three technique and, um, you know, trying to use his height and size and get some mismatches that way. Yeah. Well, Clog they up did some passing in, lanes. at camp one day, they actually did move him inside um, for a player too. So, um, which was intriguing. Uh, I hope that they have that defense all over the freaking field and nothing makes sense. Um, right. Because, you know, the more they do that, the more it's going to confuse, um, you know, confuse the offense of what, you know, what they're trying to do. Um, so, yeah. So thank you, Roy, for, you know, making um, making my math uh, wrong. <laughs> you know, you, you talked but, about you talked about Puna being third team and that surprised you that to me, looking in a crystal ball probably tells me that he probably didn't come into camp as in good a shape as he should have. Well, you know, and Puna, Puna is a, you know, a little bit like Tim where they, he's played both um, one tech and three tech. So, right. you know, maybe they're, you know, looking at who can switch it up, but they also want, we were, you know, we've been talking about, they want to be faster. Um, so maybe, you know, they're just, you know, breaking them in a little bit. Um, he's, he's a hefty man. He's definitely, yep. he's, a, he's a big boy. He is a true so, blue inside run stuffer. So is uh, Jordan Phillips. Jordan's a yes. big, big dude. Um, but yeah, so uh, what was the other one I want to say? Oh, and Ralph Wilson asked, uh, um, has um, Ike taken any reps at center? I have actually not seen him taken um, any reps at center. Um, everything that I've watched, someone else can kind of chime in. Um, I have really only heard, um, between, uh, Morris and Bates kind of switching those, um, between those duties, but, um, and then obviously, you know, Manson, um, and Anderson, uh, but they're obviously supposed to be taking reps at, uh, at center. And they're probably not snapping the Josh Allen either. No. The, and, the, and that was, you saw, I don't know if anyone's, um, went to the red and blue, um, game. It was a little scary with, uh, how many, you know, bad, um, mishandles there were with, with Kyle Allen and, and the center. So, um, usually at that point it was either Bates or Mance, um, Anderson on, on a couple as well. You know, the thing when, when we look at this depth chart and as, you know, as stated earlier, it's early, um, you know, things will change. There is one thing that, that I don't know if I want to say shocking, but there's one thing that's really eye opening to me. Um, and I'm sure that, Bill's Mafia loves it as well if they've picked up on it. But is it is interesting to me that the public enemy number one, our our proclaimed number two receiver, um, his backup is a raw, untested rookie. Um, oh yeah, and, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna kind of. Um, I don't think it's gonna shake out that way. I think that they're just kind of putting that like this in the depth chart. I don't. I think it'll be. Um, Shakir that'll kind of you know be on one you know one side of the um you know or the other um right now Shearfield is kind of Diggs's backup um but I feel like that was Shakir last year um so right. I think that it doesn't really matter for the wide receivers how this uh, you know how this really shakes out um you know Hardy I do believe will be um the slot and um I actually, I actually kind of think that we'll be lining up um, uh, Kincaid in the slot as well a lot, but I do think we're going to keep seven wide receivers now. Um, I, I am, you know, maybe I'm, I'm making a surprise little, uh, 
you know, take here. But Andy Isabella, he looked really good on Sunday. And granted, I only saw one day of camp. Um, but he looked he looked really good. And it was a, it was a camp day with no pads or anything like that. So don't read too much into that. Um, but he can also, you know, return kicks um, and punts. So I think that there is a good um, discussion there of why we would keep seven and include him. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see, but I, you know, shorter, they're not going to cut him, um, but he is definitely not going to see the, the, the field much of anything his rookie year. So, um, you know, I, I see that he's the second depth, but I don't see that happening. But the one thing I do want to say, cause you know, you said public enemy number one, Gabe Davis is having a terrific camp. He is having an absolutely terrific camp. I am not going to jump. Everyone is on the bandwagon saying, extend him now, extend him now. I'm not going <laughs> to jump um, because my biggest thing is I want to see the consistency during the season. Um, but he has had a terrific camp. The one that's been intriguing to me with everything I've seen, and I'm ready for a, a preseason game, and obviously we probably won't get Josh week one, um, we'll have Allen, we'll have Barkley, but I'm I'm just here to tell you everything I've seen on film and every clip I've seen of Dalton Kincaid. My goodness, yeah. Um, I don't know how he, what being up there at camp and seeing him in person, Sarah. What's his size like, especially compared to Knox? Are they very similar? No. What, what's he like? <laughs> what's he like to Knox? Kincaid looks like to me. He looks like a little bit of a big body um, receiver, but he is. Yeah. He is 1000%. He looks like a, a receiver. Um, he kind of reminds me of Jimmy Graham um, when, you know, when you see him, um, right. he can definitely, um, he's, he's smaller than shorter than Justin shorter. Like, you know, like to me, when you look at them to, um, right. you know, side by side. So I personally think that um, it's going to be very intriguing to see how we use Knox and Kincaid, um, you know, together, not together. I think that they are very different different tight ends um Kincaid in in Knox actually today I think it was um or might have been yesterday was talking about Kincaid a lot um he said the way he breaks down a defense is not rookie like at all um he can go out there he can see what's going what's happening and he's just you know between his feet and his hands I am just super impressed everything that I've seen so far Again, we haven't seen it, you know, him playing in a game. There's still going to be learning curves. Um, he's still learning the offense. So I still think Knox is going to be out there, um, you know, as tight end one. But I think that Kincaid's going to be 1B slash wide receiver three. I, I, you know, I really honestly think that um, we will have him out there more probably, you know, in the slot than, uh, than people are, well, you know, kind of imagining yet. The thing that has me excited is the red zone possibilities. We obviously were we 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 kind of got stale in the red zone. We did. Um, we did not, you know, and maybe you know, if I want to be nice today, and and give Josh Allen some credit, maybe his terrible turnover ratio in the red zone was because we were stale in our plays. I don't know, but with this guy, him, you know, he he put right. everything on his own back, and it was I think he forced a lot. Um, you know, and I think a little bit of it was, you know, different play calls that we weren't quite used to. And that teamed up with him, you know, trying to force things led to a lot of those, um, those turnovers. So I think, 
if we cut that out this year, imagine how much more we would have scored last year. And it came down to a couple of games where, you know, realistically we lost what our three games by combined, I think eight points. So, right. you know, when it comes turnovers were our, you know, our biggest problem, you know, as hot as the Miami game was, and now we're going to, now our soft society wants to put both teams on the same sideline because, you know, we can't, but we can't put the visiting team on the sun and the home team. Oh, in the Jerry, shade. I'm going to tell you right now, we're um, going to fight. We are going to you know, fight because I sat in that heat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know what? We weren't, we weren't bitching and moaning when we were putting people in zero degree weather either. When, when I was at the AFC championship game and Bruce, oh, I was, I was definitely and bitching and because I had to sit in that too. When Bruce dribbled Joe Montana's head off that cold turf, like a basketball, nobody I was complaining that we didn't heat the turf up. Right. right? I think the I difference is called the, home field advantage for a reason. Well, I disagree on the home field advantage part. I think everyone's got to deal with the cold. The difference is, is that when it's cold, it's cold. You don't really have a difference between what sideline is colder than the other. Um, when it comes to it being hot, the Dolphins have literally said they designed the stadium specifically to put the visiting team in the sun. Now, for someone who goes to that stadium weekly for the um, the Hurricanes games, I know how brutal that side of the field is. It's and, called a home field advantage for a well, reason. Well, yeah. And, I mean, like, they're not going to change anything. I mean, we can all bitch and complain as much as we want. They're not going to change that, Jerry. But here's I, I, the deal. The deal is, is if – and the point I was getting to before I decided to uh, – you get know. beat up by me. <laughs> well, you're not you're not beating me up. You're not changing my mind on this one. Um, <clears throat> um with all the heat issues and all the Pedialyte and all the salt tablets and all the if the quarterback would have fumbled the ball inside the five yard line, we would have won the football game. But yeah, and if McKenzie would have uh caught the the touchdown pat, like there was so many ands, ifs, and buts. Like, you know, there was so many we lost that game. The Dolphins did not win that game. Uh, and I'll stand by that um, a million times over. Yeah. Um, My point but, exactly. Yeah. But um, agreed. So if we can, cl- if we can clean up those, you know, those turnovers this year, and I think we can, um, as you know, Josh has healed up and everyone's getting a little bit more um, confident and um, you know, what Dorsey's calling. And I think the other thing is what we have not spoke about yet is our running game. Um, I'll tell you, Cook had a couple of really good, again, no pads on Sunday, but he had a couple of really good, um, you know, openings that I was like, I actually recorded one and posted it. And I was like, you know, the good, the good news here is the hole that opened up that he hit was ridiculous. And, um, Are you talking about you know, a bill stadium or was it training camp? It was at training camp. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The, one that then, they, the big run he had from his own end zone on the the blue the blue red game was actually a defensive misassignment, which is why he ran for about six. Well, and that's and that's kind of what I said on Sunday. I said the the positive news is the hole that opened up. This was great. The um the negative news was that Leonard Floyd kind of over pursued, right. um and completely missed him. Um you know uh, kind of you know scoffed at him and um and well, you know was pushed to the side and that opened up the um the hole for for Cook to go through. Today, um, uh, Damian Harris had uh, two or three really good um, runs, and I don't remember if it was him or if it was um, 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, it, and I don't think it was him. I think it was Latavius Murray today. Um, Had like a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, it was because we were all joking. The 33-year-old, you know, made everybody look silly. Right. Um, you know, he had like a 70 yard touch, you know, touchdown today. So um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing them again tomorrow with pads because, you know, it's a little bit of a different, um, you know, practice, obviously, when they have pads on. Um, but I think that as much as we c- kind of complained about, you know, needing whether or not we needed a running back, um, I think that, you know, this running back by committee is going to really, you know, excel. And I, I, you know, between Cook and Harris, I think that they could both have 750 yards each. Um, I think, you know, everyone's joking about, you know, Murray having 750 yards last year. I honestly think that, you know, he can, he's not going to go anywhere near that, but I think he's going to have a lot of touchdowns. We'll have him a lot more in, uh, you know, in the red zone, um, you know, bullying his way into the um, the end zone instead well. of having Josh do it. I, I personally think while it, while it will be somewhat of a running back by committee, I want I want James Cook to get as much as possible. I yeah. think and, the guy's and too I good out of backfield catching it. He's running out. He needs to be active. He needs to get his opportunities. Um, I hopefully they it morphs towards that, especially right. with um, um, you know. And I think you're right. You're dead on with McMur- with uh, Murray. I think he's going to be your power back, your short yardage back. Although I still believe the best short yardage runner we have on our team is our quarterback. But um, you know. This is a good group. It's it's made a little different than it was last year. A little more size and all that. You still got Reggie Gilliam if you need him. Um, defensive wise, we talked about the defensive line. I think there's a lot of interchangeable parts there. I think you'll see some guys moving around. By the way, Leonard Floyd, I believe, is also the one that had to miss assignment on the big Cooks run Ooh. down there out of the out of the end zone. Um, didn't adjust with motion, which is just trying to learn a new playbook. But what was your uh, before we move on to something else here? The last little bit of the show. Um, what was your opinion? Did you get much of a chance to really kind of look at the defense secondary? Um, what are your thoughts about the secondary and how they're kind of shaping up? Yeah, I I keep on going back and forth because um, you know first and foremost I wanted to say Taron Johnson, like we are just and I don't mind staying in nickel because of him. Um, we are just really lucky to to have him. He is just play after play after play. And his another guy that gets a lot of criticism. It. Yeah, another guy yeah. that gets a lot of criticism. Yeah, he has, a, thank- he he has a thankless. He has a thankless job, by the way. Right, right. Thankless. Um, I will say that I have been disappointed. Um, I don't, I don't want to say disappointed in our coaching staff, but it's kind of that they haven't pushed a little bit more of just having Elam out there, kind of. Right. making him go with the ones um, to get him more prepared. I know that they're trying to have the best person out there. Um, we've seen enough of Dane Jackson for me to believe he is not going to be CB2. And the fact right. that we keep on splitting so many reps with the three of them, with Benford, Elam, and um, 
with Dane Jackson. I feel like it's a wasted opportunity uh, to really get, you know, either, you know, pick or choose Elam or Brentford, um, you know, get one of them more of the reps, um, you know, hopefully after they, they have this game on, on Saturday, we'll have a little bit more of a understanding of where they want to go with, um, with CB2, but I don't think Dane Jackson, and, and it's, you know, after all these years, I just don't feel like, you know, he's it. And I, you know, I think that he is a terrific person to come in, sub out for a couple of plays. You don't, you know, you don't lose much, um, when he does come in. Um, but we, you know, we picked, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying we have to live and die by our first round pick, but, um, Elam was terrific at the end of last year. If you look at, I think his last five or six games, he was absolutely terrific. He just needed the reps. So I feel like, why are you taking them away from him? You know, so early already, um, you know, get him out there uh, so he can break himself. Let me ask you this, Sarah. Let me ask you this because I have not, I have not had a chance to see, and obviously waiting on this first preseason game coverage wise with, with the change in McDermott, are we seeing more press man single high? Are we seeing, you know, are we seeing a lot of quarter? Have you had a, a feel for the coverages? Yeah, that he's definitely running? been more aggressive. Like um, yeah, he's definitely been more aggressive. I've definitely seen a lot more, uh, you know, man, uh, press man than we've ever seen before. <clears throat> I have not seen them do pretty much any type of like, you know, zone um, at all, which makes me happy. I hate when we're 10, 15 yards off the ball. Um, it, you know, he's definitely been a lot more aggressive. Um, and some of, I'll I'll admit some of that has caused, um, you know, our, you know, our wide receivers to look great and our, our corners to look terrible. Um, and it's it's surprising to me. Yeah. And the reason I ask you that is it's surprising to me is because Elam is a press man corner. And if they're playing more press man, it would, it would, I would think anyway, you would see more of him, but. Maybe they've decided to hang their hat on Bedford. When we have had um, rap out there, you know, as well. So when we, when we end up having, um, you know, rap uh, white and Poyer out on the the field all at the same time and Taryn Johnson, um, I feel like it's a little um, different, but most of the time when I saw that it was more, it felt like it was more run, um, you know, run uh, options. So, you don't really get to see what they would, you know, what they would have been doing. Cause they're all, you know, see ball, uh, you know, hit ball, get ball right. type thing. So that, you know, they're all running um, after the, you know, the running back at that point. So I'll, I will be really interested tomorrow to, um, to see them with pads to see if it changes up a little bit. Um, you can only see so much without pads. Um, but granted, they don't have a, they don't have a starter chosen at that position. It's a three way. They definitely do not have, guy. they've been right. um, in and out, uh, multiple days you can see that um so like elam started as cb2 the other day but he he ended up getting more reps as cb1 um sorry um as a uh, cb2 but with the first team um even though he didn't start out there as um cb2 so benford had started out there uh not benford um jackson had started out there that day with the first team, but by the end of the day, um, Elam had gotten more reps. But again, when you have, you know, when you're splitting it between the three, they're definitely not getting enough reps, um, right. in my opinion. So, 
And one more one more spot I want to ask you a question about before we move on to something else to end the show today. And by the way, hit the like button, subscribe button. We appreciate you uh, you know, joining in on the comments. Line the game always here on Buffalo Rumblings Network on Wednesdays, normally 9 Eastern. Today we went an hour early. Uh, Sarah Larson, she's up in the Finger Lakes, and she's uh, hanging out with family and has busted her tail to be a part of the show. And that's big time. That's big time. I'm yeah. Jerry Ostrowski down here in Tulsa. But real quick, before we switch gears to our last topic, um, I'm not freaked out by this because if you watch a kid play in college, this was really kind of, I think, a position made for him. And so we're looking at Dorian Williams. Um, Dorian is backing up Matt Milano at the at the Will linebacker. Um, and you've got Bed, you got Bernard, and you've got Dotson. Um, both of those guys listed as the first team in a linebacker. They're in a heated battle. Give me yeah. your thoughts on that and um, what you're seeing yeah. out of that spot. I thought Dotson kind of uh, started to run away with it, um, but Bernard's kind of the last couple of uh, days kind of creeped up there a little bit. Um, I kind of felt like they were going to just, you know, kind of just give it to Dotson. Um, he had the first, I would say the first five or six um, days uh, of camp. I feel like he kind of ran away with it. Um, but Bernard's picking up, um, you know, I think Spectre is definitely out of the, the conversation. Um, you know, not saying he's out off the team or he's not going to be on the 53. Um, I obviously think he'll, he'll still make the 53. Um, but he's definitely not in that conversation of who's going to start. Um, but you know, like, you know, we, we've all kind of talked about it. Um, and John Robert put it in the, um, in the comments, you know, uh, Taylor Rapp being out there um, and having us go into to dime. Um, I think that it'll be, we're, we're going to see a lot of different, um, you know, defenses this year. I think, um, you know, schemes with, with McDermott, I, he's made a lot of comments about being more aggressive, um, being faster, getting to the ball quicker. Um, so it'll, I, I think that they're kind of for that middle linebacker position, they're just looking for someone who is, processing what is going you know what the offense is giving them out there and um like i said dotson was the person who seemed to be grasping that the most but bernard um you know lately the more that they've had their meetings i guess bernard is um you know kind of done well with the with you know film and kind of diagnosing what's going on so they they've been pretty impressed with you know some of the things he said i want to talk about what roy roy, roy collins posted he said in the past dotson's coverage ability has not been as good with the uh, kind of indifferent face or sad face, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is a different defense, guys. Um, you're not playing. You're not playing a steady diet of two high safeties. Um, if you were playing a if you're playing a defense with a ton of high two high safeties, like Frazier played a bend but don't break type thing right. with a lot of Tampa two, you needed that huge middle linebacker to be dropping deep into the zone which is what I think Edmonds was good at. He was good at running stuff down and dragging guys down. Yeah. He was good at dropping deep into coverage. Was he a guy that was a blitzer? No. Was he a plugger? No. Was he a stick your face in there? No. That's not what he did. That wasn't his strength. So to kind of, to use a you know an elegant phrase, before we poo-poo on the linebacker uh, guys <laughs> that we have, understand that that position and its responsibilities have changed drastically from the last defensive coordinator to who we have now. 
that skill set's not the same. You don't need to have the skill set of Tremaine Edmonds to run that defense, which is why the Bills didn't even make an offer for him. They knew I, I, I they wanted him to go. They weren't going yeah. to keep him around. I agree because he didn't fit what was going on. So you're going to see these linebackers coming downhill. I think you're going to be excited when you see the, the the type of blitzing that this defense will do, the way they get after the way they get after offenses. It will be a much more aggressive defense. Now, with that, what's going to happen? You will probably give up a big play every now and then. Yep. It's okay, but I think, Sarah, you and I have talked about this at length, to sit back and win most of your games – but then you're so conservative, you can't win the important game. That doesn't do anything. It, you know, if we, we we have that much faith in Josh Allen and what this offense can do, they should be able to make up if we give up one or two here and there on the defensive side. So that's the way I look at it. I think that that, def- that linebacker group will be good. Um, I'm looking forward to what, what they bring. But um, real good analysis of the depth chart. Again, we know it's early. Still waiting for the first preseason game. Uh, obviously probably will not see Josh Allen and most of the stars that game. But there is something I want to end with before we go any further. And uh, this just broke tonight on ESPN. And uh, it says, reports, Bill Stadium projected to have a $300 million cost overrun. Okay. Yeah. So with the initial estimated cost of $1.4 billion in March of 2022, and increased to 1.54 billion months later. It is now projected to have jumped to 1.65 billion and approaching 1.7 billion dollars. Okay. Yep. Now, with that being said, it's notable because the bills, the franchise, the Pagulas, are contractually obligated and required to cover any overruns beyond the then agreed to cost of 1.4 billion. So basically right. saying this, anything above that 1.4 it's it's coming out of Pagula's pocket. They got to pay for it. Um yep. they which, are claiming, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say which I want to to kind of, you know, reiterate a little bit because, you know, granted I shouldn't say much cuz I don't live in Erie County. I don't live in New York anymore. Um so I am not it is not coming out of my taxpayer money, but a lot of people had a lot of, you know, issues with, you know, coming out of taxpayer money and stuff. Anything that is going to be this overage is not going to be coming from New York State. It is all from the Pagulas. And they knew right. that, um, you know, going into the the contract talks, the delay. Um, you know, I mentioned to you, Jerry, that maybe this was a little bit of, of why, um, right. you know, Recuria, I can't even say his name. Ron Recuria is out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the delays led to, uh, you know, some, uh, really bad math. So basically uh, the athletic reported on the cost overruns last weekend and cited unidentified individuals as projecting the stadium's price tag, potentially reaching $1.9 billion. Newly appointed bill COO, John Roth called the projections premature and speculative at best. Okay. Here's what this is. This is what this come down to. I, you know me. I look at these things. I'm not an expert. I say it all the time. If you want your kid to learn how to pass pro or run block, give me a call. If you want them to learn how to do algebra two, don't call me. Okay, that's not what I do. I don't do quotes for building materials. 
I don't do quotes for contracting. Okay. That's not what I do. But what I do is I call up my friends that are in this line of business and that sell, sell um, products and sell things that are used to build billion dollar stadiums. Okay. And um, I asked him, I sent him the article. I said, you know, comment on this. Tell me what you tell me what you think. And the first thing he said was, well, steel is down, copper's down, cement's down, brass is down, and PVC is down. So coming out and saying that materials are actually rising to where this projected cost is so blown up and elevated, he he claims it's the opposite. Okay. That material costs are actually softening right now. And the reason why is because with interest rates going up, right? right? Nobody wants to build. So if you have all this material laying around, you can't sell it at a high price. You got to sell it at a lower price. Um, labor shortages have been an issue for over three years. So this is nothing new. So I said, okay, man. I said, what do you what do you bring this down to? What is this? What, when you look at this, what do you what is your prediction on what is happening? He said it comes down to one word and one road, word only. And I, I tend to believe this. He said politics. How do you get a brand new stadium passed in a community that is not huge, that that is, you know, that a state's going to have to, you know, get a tax hike passed through? Well, you probably go ahead and give a a softer estimate on what the cost is. And then when the actual cost comes out, we will then get together and put our heads together and figure out how to pay for it. Obviously, it's not going to come out of it's not going to come out of more taxpayer money. I don't think that would fly. They would never pass that. But um, I think this is a lot of politics and a lot of uh, a lot of posturing, especially right. with some of the verbiage that's coming out about like. But it would, yeah. Know. I was gonna, I was gonna say it would make me think that the Pagulas would have known that they were, you know, kind of making the price look a little less if they knew that they were gonna have to pocket, like they were gonna have to come out of pocket for it. Um, just to get the, you know, the county and the state to, to approve, you know, what they could, um, in the end, you know, they're the ones out the money. So I just hope that this doesn't cause additional delays, um, and, and getting the, you know, the stadium open. Well, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll cause delays in the stadium getting open, but I do think that it's going to cause, it's going to cause something. I mean, yeah. whether this, you know, if, if it is actually coming out of the Pagula's pocket, and this is something, you know, does it force them? And I'm just speculating. I'm just talking out loud. This is what we do right. on the show. But does it force them to have to sell the Sabres to make up that money? Quite honestly, I would, me anyway, I mean, I would do everything I can to make the, the Bills franchise the most profitable thing I could make right. considering the values of it. I mean, I get what, I, I, I get a, it, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a feeling the PSLs will end up coming in a little bit higher than anyone projected if they have to come out of pocket $300 you know, million. So. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's going to affect people, us all. And, and for instance, you know, for instance, you got it says, another person said a delay in sending out bids also had an effect in upping the cost. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. I, I call total BS on that because you're not going to receive bids back in time for the largest construction project in northern New York has seen in probably over 20 years. Right. Not, no. So anyway, I All thought right. that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, everyone, uh, don't forget hump days on after us. So uh, 
tune into that. <laughs> Is that why I got the eye rolls emoji? Oh, did you? I'm not even on that page. Someone, someone's complaining. Who's complaining? Yeah. Spencer Joe. Oh. <laughs> All right, we're yeah, right, we're 40 so. seconds over. All, All right, right so uh, tune in for that, and then tomorrow night we have a uh, mafia cast. All right, guys. One love. Go uh, Bills. All right, go Bills. <laughs>